Glory Ali is rewriting the rules on leadership, business success, making money, and changing the world for women. This is the podcast for creative and ambitious female entrepreneurs or women contemplating the entrepreneurial path. Each week, you'll hear incredible stories of entrepreneurs from around the world discussing the most important areas of their lives, business, personal growth, and balancing family and career. Here, you can get the resources, tools, and skills you need to prosper and succeed. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Successful Entrepreneurs. Now, here's your host, international speaker, entrepreneur, and business strategist, Glory Ali. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Sisterhood of Successful Entrepreneurs podcast show. All right, you guys, today we have um, our guest expert is Charmaine Hammond, and Charmaine is going to be talking all about collaboration and sponsorship and the hidden revenue stream for many, many entrepreneurs. Now, Charmaine, right, has uh, been in business of uh, changing lives and raising dreams for more than 25 years. Uh, she was a former correctional officer. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and corporate dispute resolution expert now travels the world, teaching the principles of collaboration, partnership, and sponsorship. Charmaine, thank you and welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. <laughs> Yeah, Charmaine, tell us a little bit about you and how um, you went from correction officer to you know, what you're doing to um, talking about collaborations and sponsorships. Perfect. Well, when I left the government system working in the correctional system, I moved to a community where there was no jail. So I actually had to change my career path. And I started working for a nonprofit organization. I was the executive director of a women's shelter. And very quickly, I learned that a big part of my role was generating funds for the organization through fundraising and through sponsorship, which I knew nothing about at the time. This is going back more than 25 years ago. And I learned about sponsorship. And what I discovered was that the one strength I really brought to the table was my ability to collaborate and build strong relationships. And sponsorship is really rooted in that. And so fast forward, when I left working in the nonprofit sector, I actually worked uh, on the decision-making side of the sponsorship table. So I was working for a different government department, but my role was as contract negotiation specialist. So I was in charge of determining where funds would go to different nonprofit organizations. So I got to see many proposals and work with my panel um, every time that we did out an RFP or a request for proposals and then looked at how we would be divvying up those funds. I had about 2.5 million to give out every year through grant sponsorship and through funding. And then when I opened up my own business in 1997, I brought all of that learning together, went back to school, got a master's degree in conflict analysis and management, opened up a dispute resolution company, a mediation company, and built in collaboration and eventually sponsorship into everything I do. So fast forward to now, I have two businesses, one where I speak and train corporately on collaboration, sponsor, or collaboration, conflict resolution and resilience. And then my other business, Raise a Dream, where we work with entrepreneurs and nonprofits to raise their dreams, launch their projects through collaboration and sponsorship. 
Yeah, that is amazing. So um, where can collaboration help entrepreneurs and businesses? Where do you, where do you see that? Oh, I love that question. So there's so many ways that collaboration can help. One of one of the ways is an entrepreneur, many times when we open our business, we're a solopreneur. So we are the HR person, we're the marketer, we're we're the operations, we're the service provider, we're the accountant, <laughs> we're the one show. social media, the one person show. And so what that means is that we can't have strengths in all areas. And so parts of the business will struggle. In fact, many times parts of the business will fail because if a if an entrepreneur doesn't have funds to bring the right expertise or genius in, and that solopreneur is doing it all, um, it means that something's going to give. And um, you know, a lot of times with entrepreneurs, we see sales as an area that people avoid, don't like to do, or it falls to the bottom of the um, to do list. Yet one of the most important things, so collaboration can help entrepreneurs actually expand and scale and grow their business, create new offerings to provide to clients, um, to collaborate on marketing efforts, to support one another in external outward facing communications. And for many entrepreneurs, um, they excel in working with others. So it actually gives them that feeling of team and being a part of something that's beyond just them. And then when you take collaboration to a whole new level of working with other businesses and, and brands like banks, insurance companies, telecommunication companies, all different kind of businesses, it can generate actual revenue for that small business, for that entrepreneur. Now, for entrepreneurs that are listening, that are, you know, are starting their business or have been in business for a couple of years, you know, what exactly is collaboration? Can you tell us yeah. like, what exactly is it? What does it look like? So collaboration is, I like to think of it as two or more people working together on a common goal to make an impact or a difference, a, a difference together. And when collaboration works exceptionally well, the result of it is often a sponsorship arrangement. So for example, when I opened up my business in 97, I started collaborating on, on the different events that we would have. And so sometimes that meant that I would bring in another entrepreneur to speak, or I would uh, work with, we had a printing sponsor. So part of our arrangement was that she did all of our printing, our workshop manuals, our business cards, our standing retractable banners, all of that was provided to us through what we call in-kind sponsorship. And in support of this relationship, we also helped market her and get her in front of her desired audience. So it really was um, a relationship where she and I were working together and that relationship benefited both businesses. And at the end of the day, it benefited the clients, the attendees that came into our workshops. And so beyond that, for the for when I started really doing this, when my first book came out in 2010, and I had to go on the journey of launching a book, and I, the costs were quickly <laughs> adding up. I thought, holy smokes, this is a lot of money to launch a book the way I want to launch it. So I started reaching out to businesses I work with, businesses I love, and people in my business network um, community. And I ended up with 40 sponsors. So for three years, I didn't pay for any clothing, any makeup, any massages. I had a lot of my travel covered 
all my printing was covered, all my videography and photography was covered, a lot of my marketing, all of that was covered through sponsorship. So what was the result of that? It was a savings of between 33000 and 44000 a year that didn't come out of my bank account wow. because so of collaboration. Yeah, so there's so many um, opportunities when you're oh, yeah. collaborating and, and the sponsors, a lot of, lot of different opportunities. So I love there that. There are. So, um, you know, can you give us a tip since you're an expert in collaboration? Um, um, what's an inside tip for finding the right partners? Because that's really important. Finding the right partners <laughs> oh, and important. ensuring that the collaboration achieves the goals that, mm -hmm. that you both have. Yeah. You're, you're so right. It's so important. And I've seen many friendships fall by the wayside because two really good friends who had a great idea collaborated together, which is great. However, they didn't have a collaboration agreement. They didn't work out the terms of who's going to do what by when and how. And inevitably, life happens. So typically, one person gets busier or has less attention to the project, and then a relationship ends and, and the project ends as well. So choosing the right fit partner, and that doesn't necessarily mean your best friend. Often you collaborate with someone that you've never met before. So you have to build that relationship and trust. But the sweet spot, that secret sauce is that you both serve a similar audience, but through different ways, through different businesses, through different products and services. So choosing the right person, which means there's got to be value alignment, there's got to be sort of agreed upon um, terms of how you worked together. There needs to be um, a, a sort of a framework of how decisions will be made, how money will be handled. All of those elements of a collaborative relationship that could go sideways need to be sorted out ahead of time for collaborations to really work and achieve the goals that both or all parties are wanting to create. But you know, and that, that actually leads me into the next question. So that was perfect timing because I was going to ask you, what do you do when the collaboration starts to go sideways and conflict mm. starts to arise? Oh, it happens lots. When I was a mediator, <laughs> yeah, when I was a mediator, a lot of the cases that would come to my mediation office were collaborations gone sideways. And what we found is most of them didn't have an agreement. They just kind of won it. <laughs> and uh, and when, when conflict happened, the challenge was not everyone is great at dealing with conflict. Uh, for many people, conflict is something they avoid uh, it, or is something that when in conflict, they don't necessarily communicate in a way that pre preserves the relationship and solves the issue. So one of the quotes I love by somebody named Judge Estee, who I don't know who Judge Estee is, but Judge Estee says, conflict is not like wine. It doesn't get better with age. <laughs> so what that reminder is, is when things feel like they're going sideways, when tension happens in a collaborative relationship, if somebody drops the ball, it's really important to deal with it right then because inevitably it will intensify. It'll get more difficult to resolve. And the more difficult it is to resolve, the more that's on the line in terms of trust and relationship. Oh, great tip. Thank you so much. Now, let's talk about a little bit about sponsorship because I myself don't know much about sponsorship. Yeah. Um, and I've always been interested in finding out more and learning more. So, so tell us, um, you know, 
Well, you already told us about how sponsorship helped you, right? So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about um, finding the sponsorships and, and what, what are your next steps? Yeah, perfect question. So when we think about sponsorship, it's really a marketing relationship. This is really important for entrepreneurs to know. It's not a handout. It's not a grant. It's not something that a loan that you pay back. It's not um, an investment, although we use the word investment in sponsorship language, but it's not an investment, like where you invest money and somebody gets paid back. Sponsorship is a marketing relationship, and the company is getting behind that entrepreneur or that project or that launch or that event um, because usually they're very interested in the target audience that, uh, that the entrepreneur serves, and they believe that by partnering with that nonprofit or with that entrepreneur, that their marketing goals will be achieved. So a sponsor has certain objectives that they are trying to um, fulfill. And brands, companies, whether they be banks, real estate organizations, pizza shops, they all have to market. And so they can market and spend money on Facebook ads, digital campaigns. They can spend money on print media, uh, direct mail, going to trade shows, giving coupons door to door. In the old days, companies would market in the yellow pages. So there's many ways that companies market their business and sponsorship is one of those. And a lot of companies are really seeing that, um, you know, the, the return on investment for them through contributing cash sponsorship and or in-kind, which is where a product or service or um, um, time is given, they see that they get marketing return on investment. So that's really important to understand that it's a marketing relationship. The mistake that a lot of people make, and I see this with entrepreneurs, I also see it with nonprofits, is they create this beautiful generic proposal or a pitch deck, and they send it by email to all of these companies who they've never had a conversation with. (laughs) And the answer will typically be zero. Zero will respond. In fact, you'll probably end up on some list where they won't even open your email again. And if you think about it, if you prepare a proposal or a pitch deck and just send it out randomly to companies without researching them, without knowing what matters to them, without without knowing what their marketing objectives are, of course they're going to say no. It's the equivalent of us being at home with our family at dinner time and somebody we never met phones us and they tell us how great their program is or their sports team is or their event. Do you want to give us $10,000? Do you want to contribute? The majority of us say, no, thank you, not interested, and we hang up. That's the same thing that happens when entrepreneurs get super excited to bring on sponsors for their event, for their project, and they blast out these generic proposals without a relationship. And I had a a couple of sponsors years ago when I was interviewing them, I said, what are your biggest turnoffs with sponsorship? What one piece of advice could you share with an entrepreneur or a nonprofit organization to help them around sponsorship? And immediately the people that I asked, the first thing was stop sending generic proposals when you haven't taken time to get to know us or ask us what's important. And one of the big national companies I interviewed said, I shred it. If you haven't phoned me, if we've never had a conversation, I shred it. And I said, tell me more. And he said, if you haven't taken the time 
to get to know me, you being the sponsor seeker. So if a sponsor seeker hasn't taken the time to get to know the sponsor, why should the sponsor take time to read that proposal? Absolutely. When there's hundreds of others waiting who have done the right way. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the same thing with collaborations. You got to build yeah. that relationship first, right? Yes. It's not about, you know, what can this person do for me? It's got, it's always has to be that I'm going to go first, you know, like yes. it's all about them. Let's get to know each other. They get to know me. I get to know you. And then once you've built that relationship over some time, then you're able to, to collaborate together. So I, I, so thank you for explaining that because that's more like I can understand that more now about the sponsorship yeah. and then it is, you know, like collaborating and building that relationship. And, you know, yeah. so I was, uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, you know, I'm going to be doing an in-person retreat next year and I wanted to find some sponsorships. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, wait, like a perfect sponsorship would be like, like we pay or one right. of those, um, those um oh my god what are they called direct pay yep where where right so and i'm thinking oh okay well wait a second so now i gotta i gotta contact them and find the person and start building a relationship and a rapport with them before i even right you know, talk to them about sponsorship yeah and find out who their audience is because a lot of times we make assumptions of who the audience is that a brand wants to get in front of. And then we make assumptions of what they want. So I'll give you an example. When we did our Million Acts of Kindness tour, which was a 14,000 kilometer, 10,000 mile tour across North America um, in a sponsored motorhome, everything was sponsored for us, uh, including hotel rooms for the team and food and printing and thousands of copies of my books being purchased to give away on the tour. So it was a sponsored tour and we had a lot of sponsors that we were working with and all who uh, contributed or sponsored in a, in a different, unique way. None of them were doing exactly the same thing. So it was very customized. And one of the, we were getting ready to put the wrap on the, the 32 foot motorhome that had been sponsored. So this would be the title of the tour and some of our key sponsors. And when I was talking to one of my sponsors, I said, you know, we will have your logo prominently displayed on all of our marketing materials and on the um, motorhome. And he said, well, that's great, but it doesn't really matter to me. And I said, oh, tell me what you mean about that. And so I had made an assumption. Uh, I made an assumption that having his logo on the tray on the motorhome that would be going for seven weeks across North America would be a really valuable asset to him, a return on investment. And he said, Charmaine, when you're driving down the highway and you see a motorhome with logos on the side of it, do you grab your cell phone and start Googling right now? I've got to look up who that logo is. Of course not. He said, my business doesn't come from people seeing a logo. My business comes from people trying our product, which is called sampling. So we put all our sponsors' logos on the motorhome because that's just something you do. <laughs> you know, there was no added value to him for this. There was no added value for us on putting logos on the motorhome. But what we discovered is that what was really important to him was to have people be able to try his products. So he sponsored events for us along the way where his products could be handed out and sampled. That was the sweet spot for him. Our telecommunication company, they didn't necessarily want people 
you know, trying their product. But what they wanted is two things. Number one, they wanted to bring um, attendees or the community to a specific social media platform. And they wanted to support giving rich content to their family their, uh, their family clients. So we did things like blogs and uh, live stream videos en route from the motorhome that were sponsored by that telecommunications company. So those two sponsorship deals, totally different, but their needs were met. Yeah, and I would never, even, I'm thinking like, well, telecommunication, what are they gonna, like, how does that go in with your, with your business and stuff? But wow, great way of explaining yeah. that. That's well, and the motorhome, why did the motorhome say yes to take a motorhome off the lot, which means they couldn't sell it and couldn't rent it? And the depreciation over seven weeks, 14,000 kilometers, huge depreciation on an asset. So they, this was a lengthy process to get the motorhome sponsored. But why did they say yes, um, especially when they don't have vehicles and rentals in the United States. They're a Canadian business with 25 locations across Canada. Why did they say yes? A couple of reasons. They were looking to get in front of audiences of business owners who travel. That's me. <laughs> That's me. That's my audience, one of my audiences. They were also looking to get in front of families that travel with their pets. And we were promoting uh, one of my books about my dog. So I was able to check off these two boxes of their high priority area. And then they said, you know, Charmaine, you going into the States is really, you know, it's not, doesn't have value to us. And I said, are you interested in having more people from the U.S. rent your RVs in Canada? Mm hmm. Yeah, we would be. <laughs> so, cause they were looking at it from a sales perspective. We're not going to sell an RV in Arizona when we're in Toronto. And I said, well, what about your rentals? Would you have people coming from the U.S. to rent and go on a Canadian tour? And they said, yeah, we absolutely would. Great. Well, then that's what we'll make a focus of on the U.S. side of the tour. So how did we get there? Lots of conversations. So this is the piece. You can't just submit a proposal. You've got to build that conversation, learn everything you can about your sponsor and what's important to them by asking open-ended questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? So exactly, look, I took out my little post-it note. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. What? So first, so first, you said that we should be researching them and finding out um, what their values are. What was the other thing? What their values are? Yeah, who their audience is. So a great thing to do is go on their website. There's a, an example I love to use of a company. They're not my sponsor, I, but I love using their website as a as an example, it's Waves Coffee House and Waves Coffee House, they're really big in Western Canada. And I love their website because their website screams what's important to them. So they actually um, describe what a wave is. It's quite funny. And then they talk about connection, being connected, connectedness. So, I mean, what do we know about that company is that connection and being part of community is really important to them. So you're paying attention to the words that you see the types of photos that a company uses on social media and on their website to give you an idea of who their target audience might be. So for example, with our Million Acts of Kindness tour, um, there were certain sponsors that I would have loved to work with, but I didn't approach because clearly our audience was completely different. So I would not be able to meet their objectives. 
um, without a lot of really, really hard work because our audience would not be who they need on our tour. So you're researching their website. You want to look at press releases, how they communicate um, on video, how they communicate in the media, how they communicate on social media, and of course, reviewing their website. I always try and look at a couple of their past reports. I see the different types of brands or businesses and events and projects that they've sponsored in past. And then we set up what's called a discovery call. And it's what it's called. It's all a, an opportunity to discover as much as you can about that company. They know exactly what they need to achieve um, through their marketing efforts. So asking them questions will help them share the information with you so that you can start to see where there's common ground or alignment. Mm -hmm. All right, so I have done what their values are, who their audience is, how they communicate on video, media, and uh, social media. Mm -hmm. um, any, any other questions we should be? Yeah, and I, and I talked to them about um, questions like, uh, what are your marketing objectives? And who are the audiences that you're looking to get in front of? And what are the ways that you get behind different community events or projects? Who have you partnered or collaborated with before? Um, what are some of your objectives when you use sponsorship as part of your marketing strategy? What objectives are you trying to achieve through that arrangement? Questions. Great. Oh, I love this. So, so I'm going to use myself as an example. And I want to, because I wanted yeah. to ask you, because I'm thinking like, you know, all right, so I'm going to be doing a in-person retreat the first quarter of next year, just waiting for, you know, coronavirus, hopefully to kick yeah. down and, <laughs> You know, I got my second COVID shot and I am like ready to travel, <laughs> right? So, so we're planning and, and getting everything ready, you know, everything for the, the retreat. And I'm thinking, all right, so I do want some sponsorship. And that's when I thought of when you were talking like, oh my God, like direct pay, we pay. That would be great because, you know, I have the audience that they want, but then I shouldn't assume. So, okay. Right, so, I right. assume. So I should start to get to know them, have a conversation, ask them some of these questions. Um, you know, what other, um, because when you were talking about telemarketing, I was like, well, wait, what does that have to do with your business? So I'm thinking, wait a second. All right. So there's so many opportunities that I don't even know of. Like who would be a, a company that um, I can um, start a conversation with, reach out to, for sponsoring, you know, helping sponsor a retreat. Mm -hmm. So for the first thing is entrepreneurs. Yeah, for entrepreneurs. So the first thing to do is get really clear on who is your audience. So where do they hang out? What are the products and services they need? So on, what do entrepreneurs need? They need platforms, whether it's like a, a social media scheduling platform, an accounting platform, they might need some kind of a platform that offers legal advice or reviews contracts. They might need something like a payment or a shopping cart. They might need marketing. They might need printing. <laughs> so if you write a list of everything that your audience might need, because essentially a sponsor is wanting to get in front of that audience for a specific reason, maybe sales, maybe brand awareness, maybe brand loyalty. So the first step is to write down you know, some of your audience demographics and what are some of the products and services that your audience might need. That then helps so they, they need a cell phone. <laughs> they need internet. Uh, and so just keep that list going. You will find that it keeps building. Then the next step is to look at who am I connected to already? What are the products and services that I use and love? 
So here's an example. Um, with the telecommunications company, the company that sponsored us was my telecommunications company that I've been with for 25 years. And they did they covered all of our data roaming, which was huge, by the way, in the thousands. They covered all of our um, uh, technical kind of costs on the tour. And so I didn't go to the competitors. I went to my telecommunications company because I had a relationship with them. Now, do I know the owner? No. <laughs> but I have paid my bills for that telecommunications company for the last 23 years. So I'm in a transactional relationship. So that's the first piece is to write the list. And then the second piece is to look at where do you shop? Where do you spend money? Who are you connected to? And then the next level is to take that list of what are some of the things that um, your audience needs and what are some of the needs that you have for your retreat? And then to start to look through your LinkedIn and your, your entrepreneur and business community to look at who might be able to fulfill some of those needs if this was in fact the right audience for them. So we always start with who we know, where we shop, or brands that we love, and who's closest to home. And by closest to home, I mean, instead of going to the national company, so for example, Staples, um, like if you wanted to have a partnership with a company like a Staples or in Canada Future Shop or one of those kind of brands, Best Buy, for example, what you want to do is not go to the national office because that's where the Olympics are going. <laughs> that's where, you know, really big events, uh, that's where celebrity events are going. You want to start with your local. So when we brought on national brands for different projects that I'm doing, I've got a project right now I'm doing, we're dealing with a number of national brands and telecommunications and furniture in uh, sporting and we went to the local connections first and the local connections fell in love with our project and they said oh, we need to bring in regional and i said great so the next meeting was with that person and regional and then we just had the meeting with that person and regional and they said we need to do this nationally so now we have five people from national come in so let your local people be your ambassadors to bring in the higher level of decision making. You're just blowing my you're just blowing my mind because I'm like, oh wait a second, I gotta go to Staples right now. I'm like constantly in Staples printing printing workbooks out <laughs> and printing materials for my clients. I'm like, well, wait a second, I need to think about that. See what I mean? Yeah. So oh my gosh. It and that's the part I love about sponsorship because I, your reaction is what we see all the time. We say, oh, how did I not think of that? And it's like, because it isn't really, it's, it's a very different way of thinking. And here's what I can promise you. Once you've heard this little piece today, I can promise you that anytime you go in anywhere to spend money, getting your car repaired, going for groceries, you'll start to think about these businesses a little bit differently. And you might actually become a bit of a champion for them. So for example, um, one of the local grocery shops in a community that I lived a number of years ago, we were selling all my books and wanted to have our books available locally at places other than just bookstores. Mm -hmm. And so we had hair salons selling our books and I went to the grocery store because they get a lot of traffic and um, you know, built a relationship with the manager and he just thought it was great to support a local business. And so they started selling all my books and they would just sell out like crazy. And that was a great collaboration. And I've been shopping there for years. So when I was we, when I went in, they recognized me. So I didn't go to that head office of the co-op grocery store. I went to the local one first. And then he was able to bring in 
people at the district and regional level. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, like, I'm telling you, my eyes are like, woo, what? And my brain is like, whoa, what? Oh my gosh. It's, it's awesome. It's great. Um, so, and also, you know, wanted to ask you that um, as a former jail guard um, in the correction, you know, correction officer and former mediator, you've had your share of of dealing with so many crises, confrontation, and conflicts. What are some tips uh, that you have for our listeners about getting their point across in a way that they're heard, respected, and that their viewpoint is considered, um, and not just only for for you know if there's any conflicts or like like we said how the collaboration had side went sideways but even just as marketing as just talking Mm -hmm. about your business what would you say that some of um what would be a really great uh tip for 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 our listeners about getting your your point across and and being heard and respected Mm, great question so there's a few tips number one is to remember proving someone wrong doesn't make you right This is really important. A lot of times people spend all their energy trying to prove somebody wrong and to prove why why that person did that is not right. Instead of that, because it doesn't make you right, it's it's just perception. So instead of trying to prove right or wrong, try to focus on understanding. So a couple of the tips are ask really good open-ended questions. Avoid assumptions. Assumptions that we make about people are generally wrong. And then we go and act on them. So we have another problem yet to solve um, because we've tackled the wrong issue. And then the other piece is to to listen and to listen differently. It's not just listening to the words that a person says, it's what is it that they're also not saying. And you're also listening for what do they seem to value or need? You're listening for their underlying interests. And the last tip is to prepare. Uh, People have the most important conversations of their life in their relationships with their children, with their partners, and in business. They have the most important relationship conversations and difficult conversations with zero preparation. So true. true. Right? So we spend more time planning what we're going to have for dinner. Then we, or how, what we're going to wear tomorrow for the meeting, then we do have the most important conversation. I am cracking up because all of a sudden I'm thinking the only conversation I ever prepare for, like really prepare, prepare for was talking about sex to my daughters. Yeah. That was, I was researching the heck out of me how to talk to a teenager, you know, you yeah. know, puberty, like that was the only conversation yeah. I prepared for. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I totally get it. And then what happens is when we don't prepare, nerves take over, assumptions come into play. We see the person sit like this and we make an assumption about their body language. And, and then the conversation just goes sideways really quickly. So prepare. And what I mean by that, it's not having the conversation in your head and planning what that person's going to say because they never say what you planned, <laughs> they would say. What I mean is taking a blank piece of paper and a Sharpie marker and writing down the important points that you would like the other person to know or understand from your perspective. It's not about right or wrong. It's just about your perspective. And then you actually go into a room that has a mirror, such as your bathroom, and you practice saying the words 
over and over and over at least 10 times. You don't do, you don't say what you hope they say. You only practice your part. And then when you get into the real conversation, a lot of that drama that you have that you probably don't even know that you've associated with the conversation, the drama is a little lessened mm -hmm. because you've worked it out through your practice. You are much clearer when you communicate and the conversation probably goes much better. Awesome. Thank you so much. Is there, you gave us so many really great tips and I, I love this subject. Thank you. And so I just want our um, audience to know where they can reach you. So um, for your website, they can go to our CharmaineHammond.com, C-H-A-R-M-A-I-N-E-H-A-M-M-O-N-D.com. I'm also RaiseDreams.com. Raise that dream. It is. Sorry. Raise that dream. Yeah. Raise the dream.com. Raise the dream.com. All right, great. So I have to update that. We're going to have it as well in our show notes. Um, I wanted to, to let our, our listeners know where they can reach you right away. Um, and also uh, Facebook, your raise, ra is it raise the dream or raise dream? Raise a dream. So raise, raise a dream. dream. Oh my God, yep. I see that. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's R A I S. E A D R E A M dot com. You got it. Right. Yeah. All right. Great. And I see that and I didn't even say it. You know, I'm skipping right to it. But um, so we're gonna put this in our uh show notes so that they can reach you as well. Um, and also what I wanted to ask you was if you can send me the the link to to your books so that we can put that in, in there as well. I want to just say thank you so much for such a great episode. Like this has been a Tremendous eye opener for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all about collaborating and that's what my Facebook group is all about. The Sister of Successful Entrepreneurs. It's about networking, collaborating, you know, getting your next clients, uh, you know, finding your next partners within our uh, Sister of Successful Entrepreneurs Facebook group. So this was a topic that I was excited um, to have with you. I was like, okay, great. You know, I can't wait to, to Tuesday because we're going to have Charmaine Hammond on with us. So I want to just thank you so much. This has been an eye opener. It has been fun. You know, so I just want to thank you. All right, everyone. I, um, like I said, I'm going to be posting the show notes, um, the links in the show notes so that you can get a hold of Charmaine um, and see, you know, what she's up to. If you want to, you know, grab any of her books, we'll have the links on there as well. So Charmaine, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Sisterhood of Successful Entrepreneurs. If you know anyone that would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic you'd like Lori to discuss, reach out to us at info at gloryali.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at gloryali.com 